1: Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Every Rocky Ever, a Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host Skylar Timmons, and joined always here by my brother, who's enjoying a snow day himself as we record, it's my brother Dustin.
0: Hello. Trying to stay warm.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I guess people up in Denver and on the other side of the mountains are... Getting a lot more because it is a nice and warm, like, 20 some odd degrees here in the San Luis Valley. So we're doing okay. Wind hasn't picked up yet, so we're good. But, anywho's, we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about the Rockies and every Rocky ever. And this one, I think, is kind of paramount. Is it kind of fits into a more modern era of Rockies baseball, uh, specifically revolving around 2018. Rockies have spent big on free agents before, usually position players. They're hesitant about p- starting pitchers. That'll be another episode coming soon that we'll record. But uh, about 2018, the brain surgeon himself, Jeff Breidich, decides, hey, we got a competitive team here. 2017, we went to the playoffs. It was our bullpen that lost us the wild card game. Pat Nisha gave up a triple to Archie Bradley. All that stuff. But figuring they wanted to compete some more. What do they do, Dustin?
0: They invest in the super pen.
1: Yes, the super bullpen. They spent big, like, blew people out of the water. Very surprising. Drop $106 million on three pitchers. Jake McGee, who had already been with the team, so they re-signed him. Brian Shaw, who had been with the Cleveland Indians at the time. And probably the most surprising one was the signing of Wade Davis, the closing pitcher extraordinaire for the you know, Tampa Bay R- had been with the Rays, became a closer with the Kansas City Royals, and coming off a season with the Cubs there in 2017. Drop all this money into these three guys and as we will talk throughout this didn't really pan out.
0: They only the only one year of the Wade Davis was good. Jake McGee was
1: he had a good year in there when he first came over.
0: Yeah, and then I have nothing positive to say about Brian Shaw. <laughs> nothing.
1: Yeah, it was it's one of those things where it was, we were talking about this before we recorded, it It was cool that they spent money. It's cool when the Rockies show, hey, they can spend money. Problem is, they don't really spend it, I guess, wisely. They don't allocate it in the right places, or they don't spend on the right type of players.
0: Yeah, and especially when when you saw what pieces left the Rockies at that time, and then they mm-hmm. brought these guys in. You know, you see, man, they could have reinvested that money into this guy, like an yeah. Adam Montavino that went on to play for the Yankees and and mm. really did well. And, but we were stuck yeah. with, you know, this huge fr- – they were taking up – those three guys were taking up a quarter of the salary. Yeah. The whole team salary.
1: Yeah, and like we'll Wade Davis, at the time, it was the highest, I think, AAV salary for a relief pitcher. I think it beat out Aroldis Chapman. It's since been beat, but at the time, that was the highest contract of that type for that type of player. But, ugh. And, as we'll see, none of these guys finished their contract. That's what tells you how good these contracts went for the Rockies none of them finished I think they were all signed for about 3 years none of them finished out their contracts in a Rockies uniform so <laughs> not too good it said it was cool that they spent money and yeah what how could they have reallocated that resources even beyond 2018 maybe they could have reinvested even more into DJ LeMayhew after 2018 there's some money there and beyond but instead it's just kind of part of all this stuff where it's just mismanagement of their money and roster. Got them into all kinds of messes. But So we'll go ahead and break down these three guys. But starting here, we'll start with one Jake McGee, the left-handed reliever in the bullpen. And take it away, Dustin.
0: All right, Jake McGee, number 51. He came over to the Rockies in the trade for the Bay Rays with their Mon Marquez. But Jake McGee is from San Jose, California. He was drafted by the Rays in the 2004 draft um, out of high school. Uh, He grew up in in Nevada, actually, and made it over to the Rockies. He was with Colorado from the 2016 season um, into the 2019 season. And, you know, just a lefty reliever. He was a closer uh, for the Rays before heading over to the Rockies. And you know he kind of bounced around just in that bullpen area for him. Battled some injuries throughout his year throughout his career. Uh, it seems like he was never just fully healthy. Mm-hmm. But once he was done with the Rockies, they said, "You know what, buddy? Uh, we're uh, we're gonna let you go." Mm-hmm. So he uh, was released by the Rockies in July of 2020. Signs on with the. Dodgers becomes a World Series champ, asterisk next to that, (laughs) and then bounced around um, to the Giants, Brewers, Nationals, and I'm pretty sure he's out of baseball now.
1: Yeah, that's what it looks like. And I guess I wasn't quite aware of when the trade happened to bring McGee over because, again, I was in Oregon 2016, Uh, that ended 2015-2016, so... That first year, but when I come back and I'm back watching Rockies baseball in 2017, that was coincidentally Jake McGee's best year in a Rockies uniform there in 2017. But it was one of those things. Rockies have really struggled having, I guess, lefty relievers. You know, in this more modern era, despite having Bud Black as the manager. They're getting a little bit better now. But those first couple years. 2016, 2018. You no, know, they'd it'd be like Jake McGee and Chris Russon, and Jake McGee was there in the back end of that bullpen. But I, w- I liked Jake McGee at that time in 2017. That was my first impression of him.
0: Well, that's it. I remembered him from the Rays, probably from playing video games, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he had sort of a different lefty. Uh, I wouldn't say why he always pitched from the stretch, but. Yeah, it was real top heavy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you know I remember being a, you know being able to push the you know push the ball a little bit more, and then with the Rockies, it was just kind of like he would get some strikeouts. Yeah, you know, he had 100, 178 strikeouts in one hundred ninety five innings, and but it wasn't like he just he didn't just blow it past guys like I had always thought that he should.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. and then you know he had some success as a closer that year. He got a few got a few saves for the Rockies, and but then I just remember tried, a lot of it was like try to use him as that left handed setup guy, mm-hmm. and a walk hit 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 walk.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: that's always what it felt like with Jake McGee or a wild pitch. Yeah, that's what I always thought of.
1: and <laughs> yeah, looking at it. No, it wasn't a huge walk type of guy, but it, saying they'd come in bunches, I think, and that's what would get him because a couple walks and then a big hit. And oh, 2016, 2017, two decent years there. And then he becomes the free agent, and the Rockets oh, we got to re-sign him. We want him back. So then they dole out all that money, the three-year contract, and 2018 just does not work out. Horrible year, 61 games. Had a 6.49 ERA, 2-4 record, 51 in the third innings. Gave up 39 runs in total, 10 home runs, 16 walks, 47 strikeouts. Had a 1.461 whip, that's walks, hits per innings pitched. So he was just getting hit a lot, I think. And it was one of those things where he started off good, but then I don't know if it was either him or just the Rockies change something or they're just not able to help him continue to develop or continue to improve. They just kind of leave him to his own devices and it just doesn't work out there in Colorado.
0: Yeah. and, and his, Jake McGee, I liked you. You weren't worth that money. And then it was sad because he goes then to our enemies over in Los Angeles and he all of a sudden looks like an all-star pitcher again.
2: Like uh-huh.
0: yeah, he goes to goes to the to the Dodgers and the San Francisco for a couple of years and he's got a sub three ERA and he's competing and uh-huh. we're like, what the heck? Where was that at? And mm-hmm. then the then the real Jake McGee showed up again. Uh-huh. But for those couple of years it was and it was kind of like that, just in spurts. It was like dang, he's got this figured out. And then it was usually like an injury would pop up and he's back to, Oh man, this is him. <laughs> yeah.
1: It just, that's, I think that was the big thing. And you no, know, they saw something cause they're released during the summer camp of 2020. He gets released there along with Brian Shaw, but he's getting released gets that release. Cause he just didn't, wasn't getting it done anymore. They're having other guys pop up in that bullpen that were, Tyler Kinley they had acquired. There's a couple others. Daniel Bard was there. And so they kind of like, yeah. And Scott Scott Oberg. Yeah, Scott Oberg was around. So you have these guys, hey, (laughs) better options than what we're, we'll just eat the rest of this contract and let them go. But because it looks like in 2019, he had, Started the season with a knee injury, and so 2019 kind of gets off to a rough start. But he still manages to turn in a 4.35 ERA, but he's just given up a lot of injuries and given up a lot of home runs, inconsistent. Like you were saying, there'd be good instances. Boom, man, he's lights out, he's figured it out. Then next game, oh, he's given up three home runs and we're down by 10 again type of thing. So it, I think we end up having to give him about a $2 million buyout or something. I remember, but man, rough go for Jake McGee. And it's not because a good lefty is hard to come by. And one that can, I think, throw a little bit harder. And I think that's when he moved over to the, to the Dodgers, I think that's what he mentioned is they helped him get back to using his fastball, which the Rockies had kind of edged him away from. And he started throwing his fastball more, working off of that instead of, you know, his other pitches. He was a fastball first type of pitcher, and the Dodgers helped him, I guess, get back to that, where he's throwing it high in the zone and and utilizing all his pitches instead of trying to fit into a Rockies mold of throw it down in the zone and make sure they're sinkers and all that stuff. Get ground balls.
2: All, just
0: let the dudes cook. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> what? Make them let their their unique abilities just you know work for them instead of you know the Rockies have been in this funk of trying to get all these guys being the same and and it's it's like right now when we look at visiting teams come in and just dominate the Rockies offense it's cause they're not they're letting dudes go out and do their thing.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, pitchers are. And I think the Rockies are trying to do that a little bit more, in the minors at least. It doesn't translate necessarily to the big leagues. But they're trying to work with where guys are at and build them from there of what can they do for their tools, individualized, instead of trying to fit everybody into a mold, which they're doing that in the minors. Needs to make its way up to like Bud Black and company at the big league level. But. Yeah, three years, twenty-seven million dollars for Jake McGee, and they end up just paying, <laughs> end up getting two years out of him, two more years out of him, and then cut him loose. And then he finds success elsewhere, which is pretty common for a Rockies pitcher and player. But in total, in his time with the Rockies, four point seven eight ERA, he went four and eleven record. Did have 19 saves, 195 and two-thirds innings. Gave up 104 earned runs, 112 total, 178 strikeouts, 59 walks, 34 home runs given up in total. 14 wild pitches. See,
0: that's what I'm saying. There's your
1: wild pitches. But yeah, his fielding independent pitching, his FIP, was pretty close to his ERA, so either way, he's pretty much about that for ERA in Colorado. There was hope. There's another one of those. The Rockies loved what they saw initially and then paid too much for what came after. And it just didn't pan out. One of those instances where they're paying for the paying a guy for the past when that's not who they are going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But moving on to the next guy, the other guy that signed the exact same contract, three years, $27 million, and was released on the exact same day as Jake McGee was old Brian Shaw, who's still kicking around in the league. But uh, <laughs> Brian Shaw was an interesting one, so we'll throw it over to Dustin.
2: Well,
0: thankfully, it's not, he's still not kicking around with the Rockies. Uh, Brian Shaw, the right-handed relief pitcher, actually it says on in his baseball reference a switch hitter. Mm-hmm. So uh, with the Rockies, he wore number 29 um, he's from California. He was originally drafted in the 2008 draft by the Diamondbacks out of California State University, Long Beach. And he, he was a name in, in a couple of big trades, but came over to the Rockies on that free agent contract in 2018 and Played the two seasons and then was released there in 2020. Uh, then went on to well, for his whole career, the Diamondbacks, then the the with Cleveland, and that's where he made his name as one of the most reliable relievers, mm-hmm. the workhorse, which I think was a bad thing in the end for the Rockies. Yeah. And went to Seattle back to Cleveland, and this last year had some time with the Chicago White Sox. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: yeah, we can start with that. Talking about that that was the intent when the Rockies signed him. Oh, here's a guy who has led the league in games pitched three different times before coming to Colorado. Red flag,
0: red flag, red flag, red flag.
1: (laughs) 80 games in 2014, 75 in 2016, 79 appearances in 2017. That's about what Jake Bird had this year. And Rockies have had a pitcher go a relief pitcher pitch 90. I think it was Kurt Laskanek. Curtis Laskanek, back in the 90s had like 92 games in relief. But they bring him over, and he's still a workhorse. 61 games 2018, 70 games in 2019. But you look at the the appearances in 2018, 61 games, yeah, 54 innings. So. It shows there's yeah not a lot of effectiveness within those innings. Had an ERA just under six in eighteen and five thirty eight in nineteen. So yeah, he was pitching a lot, but I think like you're saying, it finally caught up to him, especially in Colorado at altitude and everything. It caught up to him.
0: Well, he he couldn't throw a strike, and when he did throw a strike, he'd just get it hammered. -hmm. Every single time he is, I I hate to be so negative, but for me, in the memories of him, I hear Brian Shaw and get agitated because he was so (laughs) not worth it, Mm -hmm. and he just could not figure. I and you know, as a pitcher, you I know, like give me the ball, and I won't, I will never deny taking the ball. But Mm -hmm. every time that Bud Black called on him, I said reject this call like,
2: <laughs> no
0: the phone's not working or whoever was in the bullpen oh, sorry he's not here right now please leave a message
2: because he was
0: terrible every single time and i i just critiqued every little thing his his delivery i said you can see that pitch from a mile away you know exactly what's coming and it's going to be a meatball right over the plate because if it's not it, if it's not right down the middle, it's going to be that like wannabe sweeper, a foot outside.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, is it, a hitter. Okay, I know what's coming. Oh, right down. Pew. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to wait. There's going to be four balls, and I'll take a walk.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so it was. I am. I'm sorry, but whatever. I I bet he's a great guy, and uh, everything. You know, I never say anything bad about them as a person, but. When you were wearing purple pinstripes, you were awful. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: and some of the old comments here on over on Twitter on the Every Rocky Ever on Brian Shaw's <laughs> post. There's <laughs> Shmi at Stop Me Shmi says those numbers and here I was thinking they were worse. Sorry Shaw, yeah they're still not great, but they're they're not they could be worse. They're still pretty bad, but. I think they're not as as bad as people probably have in their mind, or like you're mentioning, but they're still pretty bad. Mile High Fever says, Shuffle. (laughs) We enjoy the pun. And then, Svensenberg says, Yeah, we could have skipped this one when I posted it. (laughs) (laughs) And also, somebody... uh, Nathaniel Sunshine... Uh, he said violent super pen flashback
2: intensifies
1: (laughs) 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 yeah that's I think what makes it even worse is just when you look at the contract again like we were saying the money spent on him if it was like a one year deal or even just a little two year deal that's cheaper okay we, we can stomach that you can it's okay yeah he's awful we don't feel as bad it doesn't feel as bad like okay we can eat that contract but when he gets paid what he was On that big three, three your deal part of the super bullpen gets hyped up, and then does awful. You are like, "This was awful! Like, why did we do this?"
0: We're stuck with this guy for three years. That was if if they would have if they would have thrown out the one year contract, maybe two, or done the one year and then seen
1: with an option thing.
0: Yeah, I'd go for that. But when they automatic out of nowhere, boom, three years. Jake McGee, we've already had you for a couple. Here's three more. It's like, mm. no, the you know, it just didn't work, especially right out of the gate. Brian Shaw was not good. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because, like, with McGee, we had, okay, we had some, we some history here in a Rockies uniform. He's been good. But Brian Shaw, it's, oh, he was good in Cleveland. Workhorse, let's bring him over. He can do that for us. And, no, he couldn't. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And that's, it's a, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing about, you know, evaluating, you know, I, I'd i like to go in to see what their thought process is and check, you know, how do they, you pay half your games at Coors Field. How are they judging? You
2: mm-hmm. know,
0: how are they evaluating your, how you're anticipating how you're going to perform at Coors Field. Yeah. And I don't know how much experience he had, you know, with Arizona and with Cleveland at Coors Field, if they had any sampling of that. And then I think it's so hard, especially with, with Brian Shaw, because he, he was a little, he wasn't a straight over the top. He was kind of that three quarters, yeah. almost sidearm. And, you know, is that does that play at Coors Field in at the altitude? Did he have the same? He did not have the same movement and sink on his ball that made him successful in Cleveland. Uh-huh. And that was just one of the things he just could not stay around the zone consistently.
1: Uh-huh. Which and the more also, it's like not all on shock because you look how many more Rockies pitchers. It's like a symptom. He's just a symptom of the disease. And how many other pitchers do we see? Because I think initially, like with a lot of these bullpen guys, it's like, hey, like, okay, this is, this move's okay. Well, hopefully it can pan out. Because the intent is right. Yeah, you need a workhorse in that bullpen, especially in Colorado. A guy that can go out there and, and be effective. And he wasn't. And I'm just trying to look up his... His time in Colorado or just at Coors Field itself in his career. So it's not just his time as a Rocky. But show ballparks. And we'll look here. What was he at? Coors Field made 83 appearances at Coors Field in his career. So this is through 2023. He has 83 games at Coors Field. A 4.66 ERA. So that's all time. So, not terrible, but then I'd have, to, terrible, I'd have to look at his. But... I'd have to look at his two years in Colorado, which I probably can't find. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, just ugh. <laughs> what I liked too is after he was released, he goes on to the Mariners, and is just awful. But in an interview <laughs> with them afterward, he was basically like, "I couldn't pitch at altitude." Like, uh, place is awful. I couldn't pitch there. I didn't want to pitch there type of thing. So a lot of it was blaming and altitude and stuff, which plays a factor, but we did. <laughs> the thing I remember too, is after he leaves and he comes into a game ever since, you know, people are just like, man, I hope he gets lit up. <laughs> Cause yes. Just so bitter. Oh, that's funny. But then he goes on and has that good year in Cleveland last year, in 2022. Uh,
0: 2021.
1: Yeah, 2021 had a good year in Cleveland.
0: Where he again leads the league with appearances.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeesh. Yeah, 2018 at Coors Field, a 6.93 ERA in 30 games pitched. Ugh. Yeesh. Thirteen fifty at Dodger Stadium in two games. He was really good in Arizona, though. One point nine three in four games, only four innings pitched. There you go. <laughs> yeah, just awful, but that's what I remember. Is after he leaves and he's in Seattle, talking to reporters or something. He's like, "Yeah, altitude. Like it got me. I hate that place." <laughs> just that, that, in, that kind of. Message he was sending out,
0: dude. If I if I was a if I was the PA announcer, the sound guy at Coors Field, and anytime he showed up, I'd tape that sound bite
2: mm-hmm. and
0: put it up like in his introduction as he mm-hmm. as he walks out to the mound, <laughs> or or the Rockies. Very small chance that they would light him up and you know put a crooked number up, but as he walks into the dugout, go ahead and play that. I hate it here. The
1: altitude. Yeah. So here's what he said. This is from the Denver post and Patrick Saunders got this, gets this quote from the Seattle times. He says, I got there and sliders didn't work. It didn't matter what we did. We tried to tinker with it. We tried to change it. We tried to do different stuff and it just basically fell by the wayside. So basically I became a cutter primary pitcher with kind of a little cement mixer slider that didn't really go in, really didn't do anything I think that attributed a lot to the adverse results that I had. Stemming from that, we tried to do some different things to create that movement on the slider and create different stuff in the mechanical side, which then kind of just messed with everything a little bit and just kind of snowballed there. So like there's some merit to like what he's saying where the Rockies just start tinkering. I think that's the problem. They start tinkering with stuff. Try to oh you gotta change everything. Which then he's pitched a certain way his whole life, been effective and then they start trying to tinker and change things that aren't necessarily for the better. Like, if he's don't mess with his with the pitches he has, like, just introduce a new one. Like, hey, try throwing this pitch in along with everything else. Try to develop this pitch. Ugh. Just didn't pan out. Looked like a shell of the pitcher he was in Cleveland. That's what Patrick Saunders says.
0: Awful. (laughs) Yeah, that's...
1: Because you would think of like tinkering, that's what happened to Kyle Freeland. Rocky started tinkering with things after twenty eighteen, and he's just been downhill ever since. hasn't been the same pitcher.
0: Yeah,
1: and they they do that with a lot of guys. Jake McGee, they tinkered with some things, and then he leaves, and the Dodgers go back to what he was. Immediately improved. So, well,
0: that's that's what I think. You know, pitchers know what and what when something's off yeah and if the rockies were up to speed i think now in 2024 they've got their their setup at, in arizona about you know they're trying to get their analytics and and you know the, the cameras and looking at spin rates and whatnot but you know they haven't had that and so you a pitcher trust themselves more than anything and if they yeah. if the rockies would have had that technology and stuff to be like okay let's analyze it here's your here's your tablet we'll send you the files on what you look like in this performance here versus now this is what was happening on o2 sliders against a right-hander striking them out and this is what's happening now mm mm-hmm. And see, it, and they can make the adjustment. They can see because us as the fans, we could see things like, "Wow, he he looks off. Like some, he does not look comfortable." Yeah. We notice these pitches are doing this and that, and you know we're the sitting there from our from our homes, and, you know, raising our, our armchair fists. Armchair GMs, yeah. But I, I really think that these pitchers they needed the more, they need better tools, especially pitching at altitude. You yeah. know, we live in a day and age, you could throw on an Oculus and you should be able to see, yeah. Oh, this is what it's like in at Altitude. Yeah. And they could put you on a CPAP machine or something and it's taking away, not giving you enough oxygen. If they could mm-hmm. simulate what these things feel like. Mm-hmm. And sadly, Brian Shaw, I'm sorry for all the hate. Um, you really are a workhorse to have that rubber arm would be amazing to have again, but that's what he has. He just go out there. And that's what, that's the one thing, like I said, is he was a bulldog. He would, and he would get shelled, but he'd give me the ball the next day. All right, I'll go out there. Uh And it's not like he would go out there trying to get lit up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing he's, and I think that's a big stress too, is signing a big contract like that as a reliever, as a player, and always thinking, I have to live up to this contract mm. no matter what I do. And when things are going terrible, how hard it is to bounce or snap out of it.
2: Mm.
1: But we'll see if he keeps playing okay with the White Sox. We'll see if he – I think he signed a minor contract with somebody. Uh, but uh, one last thing real quick before we move on. Uh, I do remember he was a big gamer and I think I remember on like one of the Rockies like club, the club show or whatever, or some other show and he had like the setup in his little locker there at Coors Field and there was like lift up the thing and there's like a TV and an Xbox in there. And so he'd just be sitting in there playing Xbox, (laughs) playing them Fortnites, (laughs) something like that. Yeah. That's what I remember. Like Brian Shaw was a gamer. Like, sitting in there. <laughs> I just like the little, like, cubby stool thing they had. He had it altered where he just lift up the lid and, boom, there's a TV. There's an Xbox in there. Pop it on, sit there and play video games in his locker.
0: I can respect that. <laughs> I just wish he would have done more of that than pitching.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to our last one here. This was the big one. Which the ultimate flop of these three deals, uh, it's one Wade Davis.
0: Oh, Wade Davis, the right-handed pitcher, six foot five. Yeah, he's a big guy from Florida. originally drafted in the third round of the 2004 draft by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And he played for Tampa Bay, then Kansas City. And was a World Series champion. And then he played for the Cubs for a year, was an all-star, and came over to Colorado on a, a monumental reliever free agent deal and pitched for the Rockies for, we'll say, two years and a wink. Yeah, And then was released. And he ended up signing back with Kansas city before he called it a career, Mm -hmm. but he was number 71 and had one very decent first year with the Rockies. And then it was all downhill.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a tough one because coming off of 2017, we had Greg Holland as the closer, really good year teammate of Wade Davis in Kansas city has a really good year. He leaves in free agency. Rockies don't sign him. Instead, they decide, okay, we're going to go spend big and get probably the best closer on the market in Wade Davis, which, hey, top free agent at a position and we go out and get him. That's that's awesome. Unfortunately, <laughs> he was 30, about 31, 32, and had a coming off a, a good, decent stretch with the Cubs. There in that that season as a free agent, but he signs a three-year fifty-two million dollar contract. Again, I think was a a record for a closer or for a reliever closer, something like that. It was a record of some kind. Getting paid seventeen million dollars. But in those three seasons, he goes four and thirteen with sixty saves and seventy opportunities, had 122 appearances. And had a 6.49 ERA. He had an 8.01 ERA at Coors Field, and a 4.22 ERA on the road. So another one of those guys that just couldn't figure out Coors Field.
0: <laughs> I don't know how in the world he got 40. I don't know how he got 43 saves in eight in 2018.
1: Yeah. It's that year where the, things just worked in 2018. To, plus, he had a lot of opportunities because that offense still wasn't that great. Like, it was good enough, but that was that year the Rockies were really good in, like, one-run games. Close games that were really good. They were doing just enough to win games.
0: Well, I think part of that was they would have the, they would go into the ninth inning up by three runs, and then he would give up two with the bases loaded and get the third out. Mm that's for some like it always felt like that with Wade Davis like yeah. I know he set the the record at the time with it and and I think yeah he's still the the record holder right for I think saves. single
1: season saves for a rocky
0: yeah and but it, it just seemed like every single outing it was never a one two three close it yeah. out yeah like a
1: four point one three era in 2018. So yeah, 43 saves, but still an ERA over 4.
0: Yeah, just... Oh, man.
1: So it's like you're saying, like, yeah, he's he's getting all these saves, he's finally closing it out, but it's a little bit of a tightrope act.
0: Yeah, like every single time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think he, he goes on, they hold him around and then shoulder injuries popped up there and I think 2019, 2020 popped up and he finally comes in back in off the injured list in 2020 in September because he had started the year with a couple of saves, but then shoulder injuries. And then from there, when he comes back, it just didn't work out. Came back and had a dismal 20.77 ERA over five outings in 2020. Like, yeah, we're, we're done. Like there's... There's nothing left. So they cut him loose. Dude. <laughs> it was...
0: He was another one like... We brought in Greg Holland on a one-year deal. And he had a phenomenal season.
1: I think he was comeback player of the year. All-star. Yeah. Led the league in, in saves.
0: And it, it was one of those things like... Yeah, he was he was like a salvage project for the Rockies on a one-year deal and boom, he just cemented in. But it was one of those like, yeah, he, he revamped his value. He's going to go somewhere else now and get a, you know, get a major league contract and make some money. And so the Rockies then instead of doing that with, with, uh, with Wade Davis, they jumped all in and said, this guy's been, really good the last three years. Let's see if he can duplicate it. Uh. And it just wasn't. It's like, again, one of those things, his career, he's playing in Tampa Bay. Pitchers, ballpark, you know, Tampa Bay's. Paradise with for, analytics. Yeah, and pumping out these good pitchers. And and then Kansas City in that, that stretch where they won the World Series. And he had things pretty, you know, figured out there. Had a very solid season with the Cubs. And then we just say, you know what? You have been phenomenal the last three, four years. Come on in, buddy. Uh-huh. Like, you're going to save us and take us deeper into the playoffs.
1: Uh-huh. And unfortunately, he doesn't get that opportunity. Or just they're in 2018, their only year in the playoffs with him. That's the thing. Like, they tried to build after 2017 build for the playoffs continued success and they get there in 2018. And then it's just been downhill since, but yeah, it's some here, bud black. And this is in a Patrick Saunders article as well on the Denver post says he was a great presence on our team and a great mentor for a lot of our younger pitchers. He was one of our leaders. The shoulder woes started happening and he just really couldn't recover totally. makes sense. And that's what you see with a lot of, a lot of guys his, they were a mentor to our guys which there's value in that but you also want them like contributing on the field
0: yeah because that's why you have coaches yeah because they're there to mentor the guys
1: and if your coaches are having trouble connecting with these younger players get younger coaches stop having the the grandpa brigade (laughs) and there there's some guys like warren schaefer and a couple of those guys and Vinnie Castillo who's just generational can connect with anybody but he's Bud Black goes on to say Davis expressed today his desire to continue on to play it was a very professional meeting I don't think any of us envin- envision this happening at this juncture but it did so it just did not pan out for him and I think a lot of people will point back to I think it's a lot of those just getting shelled in like the ninth inning blown saves and Talking before, there's like a series in, in June or something against the Padres in 2019 where the Padres just would not die at the end of a game. They kept coming back in the ninth inning, and he has two blown saves in, a, in that series. I think it was like a record setting series, too. It was like rookies hitting back to back to back home runs or something like that. Walk off, or like three consecutive games with rookie walk off hits. Or maybe that was more recent. I don't know. It all blends together.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That this super bullpen was just like it was a vision of things to come. Like it wasn't going to get good. Mm-hmm. These were some of the last Jeff Brightich, you know, bonehead signings. That you know, yes, they were with good intentions, mm-hmm. but when you look at the. If you really studied the analytics and and the history, they were set up to fail. Yeah, no matter what, especially with the things that the Rockies, you know, the teams that they built mm-hmm. around him, it just it just didn't work. And it it's sad because it goes back to the Rockies' history of signing pitchers to long terms, you know, bigger deals, and them not panning out. Like we'll get into our in that in the, in another episode of our you know the the super starters uh-huh. that that they've signed trying to save the rotation or solidify the rotation and they just don't work out but then if we did some of these guys with the one year the the lower you know the low risk uh-huh. and we've like we covered a few, uh, few episodes ago of jason marquis uh-huh. where it was like dang that was that was a golden one
2: uh-huh.
0: that you know that's that's one that was a low risk and we got a you know we got a lot of reward from him that year uh but they still they haven't been able to find it and as we try to they try to make you know bring up the homegrown guys and then throw in these big names it still just has not been able to to solidify no and create an actual super bullpen.
1: Yeah. And especially in the, I think I'm more willing to spend on starters than, you no know, a reliever because relievers so volatile as as we've seen, talked about, yeah, these guys maybe had one good year, except in Brian Shaw's case, but then everything else has been kind of bad. And so it's hard to, I guess, evaluate and see the value and how much do we give a reliever? You know, is Josh Hader really worth as much money as he's looking for on the free agent market? He's a really good pitcher, but is he going to be worth $20 million a year for five years? No, uh, I don't think so. You no, know, relievers are so. Edwin Jackson, not Edwin Jackson, he's probably still getting money somewhere too. But uh, Edwin Diaz for the Mets signed that huge contract. They immediately lose a year of him because he tears an ACL in the WBC so there's so much risk I think in relievers especially because you know yeah they're gonna get quite a bit of work but it's just you never know what they're gonna you're gonna get from a lot of them but, oh is he gonna be successful especially in Colorado look at Daniel Bard he's been good every other year <laughs> on the, on the yeah. contracts he signed so 2024 he's due for a good one it's Hopefully. an evil year.
0: Please. We need it.
1: But it's tough to value. And so oh, and the problem is the Rockies will see like things like the Super Bowl pin. Oh, we can't spend money because look, it didn't pan out. And giving themselves excuses where I think you could you know, spend some money, not this ludicrous amount. Whether it be starters, you can go out and spend on starting pitching. I think with these guys and a lot of things, it goes back to what are the Rockies doing to help guys be successful? Are they giving them the tools to continue to find success at Coors Field? Why is Wade Davis struggling so much at Coors Field? What, what do we need to do to remedy that you know, in, in his preparation and, and stuff?
0: Yeah, we look at it. it it's interesting, too, to see who were the catchers in those seasons. Yeah. There's a lot of Tom Murphy, Tony Walters. A little Chris Aneta, I think, dashed in there. It's like, yeah, were were those the guys needed at that time behind the plate?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's a big thing we don't focus on too. Is like, are the catchers how savvy are the catchers with like, you no know, noticing things, calling games, working with pitchers? Yeah, you know, I think that's a that's a big one because I think you look at right now, Elias Diaz. Yeah, I think he's a good catcher. But is he still, like, is he the best catcher to continue helping work with catchers moving forward? Type of thing. There's a lot of factors that go into it.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, who the pitching coach is. Yeah. I I am who, I'm like the, I feel like the only one right now that's been, like, red flags of who's in the bullpen in these times. I think with them, it was still... Well, he was he was a pitching coach, yeah. Um, and, Steve Foster, and I think he really connected with Wade Davis, and he had that, you know, that 2018 good season. But then after that, with, with you know, in the bullpen, who was it, and who is it now with the starting pitching? I think
1: Darren Holmes it's, was still around that area. I think,
0: oh, yeah, Darren the Hitman Holmes, and and so there's a lot of factors in there that the Rockies are still, I think light years behind everybody else and i think now it's it's harder because it it feels like back then like yeah you could look at these relievers and and bank on them but it's not like it used to be Mm -hmm. you know i remember relievers were always like the big names out there because they're just constantly year after year after year putting in good like brian shaw with cleveland he just had year after year after year of sub three era and it's like, dang, you can count on this guy. But I don't feel that that's a thing anymore in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. You can just count on these guys just year after year after year. Of this reliever has it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, even you think of of our best, the best guys right now. You know, Daniel Bard. It's good year, terrible year, pretty good year, terrible year. Uh, you know, Diaz with the Mets, super good year signs, you know, he's hurt Mm -hmm. and now he's coming back and we just see that we don't see these guys like Shaw that just year after year after year stays healthy and produces. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, I think back at the, you know, the times, the, the days with Bud Black and the Padres, they were like the, the reliever factory of guys that just season after season after season were up there like these are the best relievers in the game
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they they were that consistent for years, but I just don't feel that that's a thing anymore in major league baseball, and I think yeah. that's why this kind these kind of contracts just kill the Rockies in mm-hmm. those years they just it, it, they, and they just didn't work out,
1: yeah overpriced type of thing where it could be they were just betting against the course tax, which it's self-imposed. Gee. But <laughs> you could play some hardball. Yeah, you don't want to come pitch here? Fine, but we're not paying you extra. Well, why you shouldn't have to pay somebody extra to come pitch at a, any specific ballpark. But that's part of the Rockies' problem is they haven't made it a desirable place to come pitch. But there's so much risk in the bullpen and these kinds of contracts and Rocky's learned the hard way. Okay. Yeah. Don't pay way too much for relief pitching because you can always, you never know. Somebody could just pop up out of your bullpen and have a phenomenal year. Scott Oberg almost came out of nowhere. Boom. Yeah, and then they reward him with a contract that well, would have been still a pretty team-friendly contract if he had been able to stay healthy through it.
0: Well, you look but, like, like now Tyler Kinley,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know, super good season. Then he got hurt. And now we're looking for that, that bounce back year now that he's, you know, healthy. And hopefully, hopefully we have Lucas Gilbreth or another former Tampa Bay Ray that takes up that, those left-handed reliever spots. Mm-hmm. We, we have, uh, the Rockies' own version of Brian Shaw, and Jake Bird, uh-huh. who just rubber arm can throw and throw and throw whenever he's called, and then our our replacement for Wade Davis is is a bounce back year from from Daniel Bard. Yeah, Justin and Lawrence is thrown in there. And Justin, and there's our super pen. There you go. A whole lot cheaper too.
1: Are you like even if you look back through the history of Rockies pitchers, like really good relievers, they weren't. Anywhere, kind of like the caliber of those super bullpens. There were better bullpens in the past, even when you had like Matt Belial in there, eating up a ton of innings. Houston Street, Rafael Betancourt.
2: Yeah,
0: Betancourt. That's my Raphael, dude.
1: Rex Brothers, 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 brother. Oh, good stuff. There's that one year there was like the Killer Bees. It was like what Belisle, Belial Bimal, Betancourt.
0: Yeah, Joe Bimel. Something like that.
1: There's a killer bees bullpen. They had a good year. (laughs) Yes. But really quick, here's some other comments on the original post for Wade Davis. Didn't realize he got 13 losses. I was bummed when he left the Cubs since he was so good, but unfortunately, it was the last good year of his career. Really dominant year. I'll still say 2018 was good. wasn't great, but it was good.
0: But closing out 43 major league ball games, pretty yeah. good.
1: Yeah. Was it $17 million good? No.
0: No.
1: <laughs> Maybe okay. 10 Uh Hey, it's Shmi again. Says absolutely brutal to watch this guy close. And then we get uh, some gifts, and people are like, boo this man, boo. <laughs> get off my screen. You wasted our time, <laughs> boo. I was so excited to sign you.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I do remember Wade Davis like getting booed. Like Rockies fans, like don't really boo a lot of players. They don't boo often. They Should but Wade Davis, I remember him getting booed. Like there, it was uh, one of those times. Another blown save thing, and he just heard it from the fans. Man,
0: is it, is it bad if I'm one of those? Oh, <laughs> but before they came out with the the pickoff move like the pickoff attempts mm. oh i would oh anytime i go to the game and i see somebody pick i just boo <laughs> oh i hate it. it's the ninth inning and they're picking all oh, I, I was booing i think we were at a game one of the games and i was just booing Mm-mm. any little thing like, come on just play
2: <laughs>
0: that's funny
2: mm-hmm. boo
0: this man
2: <laughs> boo
1: boo this man <laughs> Yeah. Oh, goodness. But thus ended the uh, another Jeff Breitch probably goes down as the worst GM in Rocky's history. Awful easily, in the history easily. Of,
0: anybody. Well, yeah. easily one of the worst.
1: Here. Easily the worst in Rocky's history because, yeah, Dan O'Dowd kind of shifted them into this mediocrity, but he still did some build ups and things. Bill Schmidt's still building, Bob Gibhardt built the thing. Did some good stuff. Dan O'Dowd, Bill Gyvet in his GM row, quote unquote, sitting in the clubhouse. Yeah. That was a that was a mess there. But they didn't do some stuff and then Jeff Bright is just
0: at least like ruined. Dan O'Dowd still owns up to some of the stuff like on, yeah. on MLB. Now I enjoyed listening to him talk about baseball and, and the business side of things and how that me personally, I'd like okay, yeah you know cuz he talks about it openly you know in colorado we tried this and this didn't work out and we learned from like that kind of stuff but the thing was with bright he just disappeared yeah like even when he was there it was like i'm better than all of you and see ya
1: yeah it started that era of the rockies just not talking to the media like At for all. press conferences or anything Ugh, that'll that needs to be an episode all of its own but
0: oh yeah we'll get gms and managers and all that
1: We'll just talk about the Arnauto press conference, which is a doozy of quotes. Oof. <laughs> but a lesson learned for the Rockies. Don't spend huge on bullpen arms, but just know how you can develop them. Ugh. Anyways, that'll end it here for this edition of every Rocky ever. Appreciate everybody. Always tuning in, joining along, watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcast streaming platforms you can always find us at every at every rocky ever over on uh twitter working with friend of the show patrick lyons uh i believe he's compiling a list for me of major league non-roster invitees that didn't go anywhere but played in spring training he's been compiling a list and i may get that from him to post guys on there
0: Nice. That's what I've I, I've been. I enjoy seeing the every Rocky or the almost every Rocky ever. Yes, those and are it, fun ones. And it pops it in. A, in a, shout out to Patrick's always throwing those out there. These random players and stats out there. Mm-hmm. But it's fun to remember. Oh yeah, I remember that, and I was excited. Look, that could have been a Rocky. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Ryan Howard could have been hitting dingers.
0: Yeah, those those little things. is fun.
1: Mm -hmm. but you can find me at sideline underscore crowd and writing at purple as well as fans for sports.com and you can check out the affected by altitude podcast every monday new episodes and you can check out our most recent one with evan lang and myself talking about outfield pieces and doing dumb bits at the end of the show every time But you can also find Dustin at Mr. T Spanish over on Twitter. You can find him on TikTok on there, too, somewhere kicking cans into trash cans.
0: Then we got our county cappies. We'll be starting starting our our preseason workouts here pretty soon. Youth baseball. Once it stops being so cold.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. But that'll do it here. Until next time, this has been Every Rocky Ever. I'm Skyler, and that's Dustin.
2: Farewell. Farewell.